This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunnar Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me. It is very much appreciated. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas. I hope that you've enjoyed yourself and uh, you've had a fantastic time with friends and family, of course, if you've been able to. And if you don't celebrate it, I hope you've had a fantastic winter period as well, of course. But good morning to those that are joining us live in the chat box. Very much Appreciate your time, as always. Apparently, the audio is dodgy. Is the audio dodgy? I hope not. Is it bad? Um, let me know in the chat box if it's okay. I'm hoping it's all right. Usually, people tell me pretty quick. Uh, I'm hoping that it's okay. If it isn't, do let me know in the chat box. I'm hoping that it's fine. Um, good morning to Pika Who. Uh, good morning to Black Shine, to Peter, to Damien, Maximius, Louis, Barry. Old Dave, Arasilki, Jean, uh, Sabre and Granddaddy Gunner and Hawkwind and Stevie and Kaiser and Roy. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Um, everyone says the mic sounds fine. So I don't know what Sabre you're talking about there. Um, it just dropped a bit randomly. Okay, let's, let's not panic me like that. It might drop at the start as it sorts itself out. Please don't panic me like that. I don't need that type of stress every morning when I'm just trying to hopefully understand that it works. Uh, Peter says, try Robot Tom if it all fails. Yeah, Robot Tom is not ever, hopefully, coming back. I say that. He's going to come back this show. That's that's what's going to happen. Damn, this needs a cut. I'm going to get this cut. This is so long. This hair is ridiculous this morning. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we're getting off track. I've been going for a minute and 56 seconds. Shall we drop into the stories? Well, before we do, please make sure, of course, that you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Right, uh, we kick off with today's Premier League action, uh, talking you through the fixtures of the day. Arsenal, of course, play tomorrow. Uh, Luton against Chelsea at 12.30. You can watch that on TNT Sports. Aston Villa against Burnley. Palace against Brentford. Man City against Sheffield United. And Wolves against Everton at all three o'clock kickoffs. And then the later game, the 5.30 game, uh, is the Nottingham Forest against Manchester United. A very interesting game indeed, especially for at the bottom half and the European chasing side of things as well. I would be interested to see if Forest can pull this one off. I would very much like to see it. Uh, talking straight into transfers, because that's what we're on today. Plenty of transfer news to, uh, to discuss, so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, Arsenal have no intention. Uh, this is me saying this um this is information that i have personally there were reports yesterday you may have seen um suggesting that uh jacob kivior was on a list of players that arsenal would be willing to sell now it is my understanding that arsenal have no intention of selling unless they get a very significant fee 
for Kivior that means that they would think that it's just better to accept that price. Now, we know that there is interest from um, from Italian clubs, Napoli, Milan, have all been mentioned as potential teams that might be interested in Kivior, who's already, of course, played in Serie A. Um, but uh, to my understanding, Arsenal do not want to sell Kivior unless they get a very, very good offer for the player. Um, Crystal Palace uh, have apparently inquired about Eddie Nketiah. Uh, Sammy Mottbell of the Mail reporting this, that uh, we expect uh, there to be kind of interest from a number of clubs in Eddie Nketiah. However, Arsenal's position remains, it seems, very adamant that he is not for sale and that they are not interested in selling Eddie Nketiah. Now, we talked on yesterday's show quite a bit specifically about the idea of him being one of the key players that Arsenal could look to sell to try and raise funds to reinvest in other areas. I personally am on that side of the fence. With respect, I have said that I just don't see Eddie Nketiah as being the right second striker. His impact from the bench is nowhere near enough in terms of its consistency. Um, and that is where he's going to be for the majority, if not all, of his Arsenal career, no matter what happens in the market, because he's reliant upon injuries to Jesus to get game time. Um, but Arsenal and their position, uh, the latest information is that they have outright rejected the inquiry that Crystal Palace came in for with Eddie. Now, it might be that, that any fee that was mentioned um, immediately kind of just turned them off the idea of, of selling him. But uh, I don't know about any kind of offer or price tag being discussed. But let's wait and see. And uh, and lastly, and I say there's there's a few transfer lines, and so we've gone through them very quickly. But uh, more than we have had over the last few days or so, Arsenal, according to the Athletic, are linked with the move for Bayern Munich's Matthias Delict, of course, the Bayern Munich centre half that has been playing in Germany for a little while since moving from Juventus um, back in 2022. Uh, he is not necessarily getting loads of games, but he has had some um, some injury issues. He had a knock and then he had a knee issue, which kept him out of four games. And then he was on the bench for the game against Stuttgart before coming back as a sub against Wolfsburg. But he wasn't starting the season either for Bayern. And when we look at potential players that Arsenal could sign maybe on a loan, Maybe Delict is one of those players because he isn't starting at the moment for Bayern. Bayern, of course, have got you know, the likes of Dea Upamecano. They've got um, Kim Min Jae, who they signed, of course, in the summer as well. Um, but Delict is probably third on that list of potential players that could come in and play at centre back, and they don't have loads of depth in that area of the uh, of the centre half positioning. So. It's not like they can just continue to bring players in. They've got um, Bookman, but he is an 18-year-old that's that's currently injured. And beyond that, they don't really have too many options uh, for the centre-half position. So uh, it would it would need them to sign somebody for them to be open to selling or even loaning, as I've mentioned here, Matthias Delict to Arsenal. But uh, it would be a very interesting move for the Gunners to make. He's not... Um, you know, he's not exactly really, really old for a centre-half by any stretch of the imagination. He is only uh, 24, which we'd all agree is very young for a centre-half still. He signed for Juve as a very young player from Ajax. And if Arsenal were able to bring him in, it would offer Arsenal plenty of rotational options, I think, in that centre-half position. But it is the injury nature of, of his time at Bayern that maybe will leave a couple of people 
with question marks about the Dutch international. But that is all of today's transfer stories. Not loads to discuss this New Year's Eve Eve. Um, but we're going to perhaps tackle some more stories if you indeed bring them up in part two with your questions right after this. Okay, uh, let's tackle your questions then in the chat box, shall we? Um, let's see what we've got to discuss. Uh, Jean says, should we try and get Sancho from Manchester United rather than Delict? Um, I think that he has a higher ceiling. I mean, well, they're very different players, aren't they? Um, obviously, one's a winger, one's a centre-half. Um, they've got, I think, ceilings to become very good players in their own right, but need to be in the right environment, the right team, the right club, under the right coach, playing with the right players. And maybe, in, certainly in the case of Sancho, that isn't the case. Delict, I think, has been the victim of you know a transfer in the summer of Kim Min Jae, of course, um, which has prevented them from from really moving for for anybody else. But uh, yeah, I, I think that if Arsenal were going to go for a centre half, as Josh brings up here, um, I think Ural Hato uh, is probably most likely to be the centre half that Arsenal move for. Young Ajax defender. 17 years of age, really exciting, very, very good indeed for his age. He's already captain Diax's senior side at the age of 17. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of appreciation for him. Whether Arsenal move for him in January remains to be seen, but there's definitely an opportunity financially for that deal because he's only got 18 months left on his contract. Of course, if they were to sign him before he was 18th birthday, he could even count as homegrown after a number of years with the club too. So that's certainly worth considering. Uh, Lee says, Tom, we are limited to buy due to FFP. Well, it's it's more profit and sustainability rules than FFP. People conflate the two. They are different. Financial fair play is more of a UEFA thing. Profit and sustainability rules, I believe, is more of a home uh, nation thing. Um, so it's more to do with that. Um, City still managed to get away with it. Over 100 charges against them, which seems to have gone away. Are they ever going to be held accountable? Lee, it hasn't gone away. Um, they are still under investigation. It's very simple. Everton faced pretty, I don't want to say swift, because it still took a relevantly extended period of time for Everton to face punishment for their own investigation. That was one thing. You know, Everton were being looked at for one thing and were charged on one thing. Man City have, as we say, 115 alleged breaches. Um, and so that takes a long time. You know, I don't think we're going to get a decision this season. I think we're more likely to get it in late next year or even 2025. We might hear um, the ramifications of those alleged 115 financial breaches. So, yeah, it's not gone away. It's just quiet because it's still in the process of being investigated. And a lot of charges take a long, long time to go through to build up the case for as many of those charges as they can. So it is being investigated, don't worry, um, but it just takes a long, long time. Um, Pika Who says, could we get a poll for Arteta out and old Dave in? Absolutely not. <laughs> not a chance. Uh, Sean says, could more likely um, we see over the likes of Hato where he's loaned back to Ajax for six months to get the deal done? Perhaps that could be something that, that helps Arsenal, but I don't know how much of a loan to Ajax back would be that beneficial, but he is starting plenty of games. Uh, next, it says, Tom, Hato makes no sense. Why are we going for a 17-year-old left-back? What happens to Kivior? Um, He's not a left-back for starters. He's a centre-half who can play left-back. Um, he's also, a lot, I'd say, a lot better already than Kivior. And I've watched a fair chunk of both of them now. 
having seen Kivio at Arsenal and Hayter, I've really enjoyed watching, um, doing a little bit more research into him. And I'd, I'd argue that the ceiling is far higher for Hayto at this moment in time. That could change, obviously. Um, injuries, form, availability, you know, fixtures you're involved in can change those things. But at the moment, I can see why Arsenal would be perhaps interested in in Hayto. Uh, Peter says, Tom, what do the other three walls of your studio look like? Is it all Gillingham stuff? <laughs> it's certainly not. There's no Gillingham stuff in here because I'm not a Gillingham fan. Um, that's my dad. But uh, you've got the old Thierry Henry image over there now. I moved that with the, you know, when we brought in the, the light. Um, other than that, it's pretty blank. There's some speakers in the TV there when I watch games in here. Um, the windowsill, the window, and then it's just soundproofing this side that you can't see. So, um, which is why I get really uppity about when my audio goes a bit weird because I've invested a lot of time and effort into making this a bit better. But yeah, there's uh, it, it's just a Thierry Henry thing that you can see. That's it, I'm afraid. Not too exciting. So sorry to disappoint you there, Peter. Um, Granddaddy Guna Paul says, let's make 130 breaches. And then by the time we get investigated, we'll be done. <laughs> uh, Bambino says, does it mean Arsenal not selling in Ketty means that we have no plans of getting a striker? Because if that's the case, then we should forget about winning the league. I mean, effectively, uh, if they aren't going to sell in Ketia in January, there's I highly, highly doubt Arsenal are bringing in a centre forward in January. The only way that I see Arsenal bringing in a centre-forward is if they sell Eddie and Ketia. You also need to have a club that are interested in paying the price that Arsenal would want. It depends what Crystal Palace and other sides would be willing to pay. If Arsenal don't think that the, what we are being offered is worth it, um, then they won't entertain any kind of negotiations for, for any of their players if they don't get. And that depends on who comes in. You know, Chelsea have been linked with Smith-Rowe, and with Ramsdale, Arsenal would be expecting a higher price from Chelsea than they would do from a side like Crystal Palace, for instance, for those players. So, because they're a direct rival, that is how it works. Uh, Papalova says, uh, Papalova maybe, uh, what are we doing to address the striker situation? As I've said before, not much. I don't expect Arsenal to do much in the centre-forward area in January unless things change dramatically. Um, and that would require outgoings and Eddie Nketiah being one of those outgoings which Arsenal don't seem too keen on entertaining at the moment. I personally think that this isn't necessarily the right way forwards. I would be actively trying to see what they can do with Nketiah to open room for another centre forward to perhaps come in but it doesn't seem that there's much movement on that front at the moment but we will continue to um, to push through the January window and we're covering this every single day of course breaking down players that we see legitimately linked with the club and we'll keep you updated with any changes to what is going on in the world of Arsenal, of course. Uh, Daniel says, if we sold Balogun for 35 slash 40, how much do you think Edu wants for Eddie? Probably a similar price tag, to be honest. Um, so you'd be looking for at least that, 35 to 40 million pounds uh, for Eddie and Ketty, especially because he's on a brand, a relatively brand new contract still. So there you go. Um, Sean says TGT uh, Football 365 cue the salt emojis uh, are reporting the Crystal Palace offer to be 50 million pounds I mean if Arsenal were offered 50 million pounds for Eddie Nketiah and turned it down they would have to be mad so I don't think that that is accurate let me just see if I can find the report um, here we go oh it says 50 million pounds star that's quite different, um, unless they claim it in the article. It says, uh, after Arsenal sold Balogun to Liga, uh, they would demand a figure close to £50 million for Enketi, who is viewed as a superior player. A recent report from 90 Min 
claimed Arsenal would not be looking to sell Nketiah in January and the forward is not pushing for a move, they would demand a figure closer to 50 million for Nketiah. That was according to 90 Min. I don't know who on 90 Min reported that story, but I've certainly not heard that that 50 million is an accurate figure. Um, but I'd imagine it would be around the, the Balogun fee uh, if it was up to me. Uh, Darren says, do Arsenal have a serious interest in Yusuf Afana? Reports on Man United are making move, which would be a waste of talent. It would be a waste of talent, but there's been no real movement on Yusuf Afana and Arsenal. It was a player that was linked with a number of clubs in the summer, a player that I've talked about a lot, but haven't ever said that Arsenal are, from my side of things, you know, pushing for a deal for him. He's just a player that I really do like, um, which obviously sometimes gets picked up and twisted and changed. But um, I've not heard anything, Darren, about Arsenal and, and Fafana. There's been some whispers from some outlets, but nothing. That- I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'd say are um, enough to, to jump on a bandwagon about at all. Uh, Jim says, how is Balogun doing? He's doing okay. He's not doing like amazingly. He's not exactly making Arsenal regret. Selling him, he scored four goals in 14 games. He's got four assists on top of that as well. Obviously, there's penalties involved in those goals as well. Um, but yeah, he's he's getting goal contributions for them. Um, no better, no worse, really, than what we'd expect um, from from if a fully fit Gabriel Jesus. I imagine, um, and probably slightly a bit more from him too. So it's not he's not making us regret the deal. Let's let's say that. Um, but Farouk says Arsenal selling Balogun was a massive mistake as we cannot score any goals. I mean, Balogun doesn't change anything um, for us, really. I get old Dave saying Balogun's ceiling seems to be higher, which is fine. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But he wouldn't be starting games to be able to develop at the age that he is. Look at Nketi, he's now 24. You know, Balogun is 22. He's at an age where you need to be playing games um, to be able to develop at that key age. And that wouldn't be happening. At Arsenal. Um, <laughs> Darren says, when you talk to the players and I'll put it in their heads, Tom, what about Yusuf Afana? <laughs> just continues. What about Yusuf Afana? Do you know the thing is, as soon as you mention any kind of transfer, Arteta just turns around and says, well, I'm not willing to talk about players that aren't our players. And it's that's why you just don't ask Arteta about specific players. You can ask him about a concept about transfers, but if you speak about any specific players, your, your question might as well be wasted. Um, any chance Arteta admitting Gabriel Jesus is a mistake and selling him to Adam? No, because he's not a mistake. He's coincided with Arsenal becoming title challengers two seasons in a row. He's just the next step in Arsenal's evolution for a centre-forward. And that means that he's not the final stage. He's just the next step. And that has coincided with Arsenal becoming 
successive title challengers, which would be mad to say that that deal was was an error because it simply wasn't. Avanash says, what happened to the Arthur Vermeeran links? Uh, is he a player to keep an eye on or is it a dead in the water? Haven't heard a thing, Avanash. Sorry. Uh, Fuad says, Tom, out of the players that you'd want to sell, who should fetch the highest figure? Surely Ramsdale would be it. I mean, Ramsdale and Enketia and Smith-Rowe, you'd imagine all should be commanding very decent fees. Um, you'd be looking at trying to get, you know, £100 million at least between the three of them. I don't think that's unreasonable to try and aim for £100 million between Enketia, Smith-Rowe and Ramsdale. Throw in Nelson and you're certainly looking at that figure. So I don't see why Arsenal shouldn't be commanding figures of that amount for the three of them combined, maybe with Nelson thrown in there too. So Arsenal need to be better at selling. We know that. And when I say better at selling, I also need just more evidence that they can sell effectively. We did that with Balogun, of course. We got a really good fee for him, considering the context of his situation, the contract length and the team that he went to. We got a very good fee for him. Um, but we need to, you know, we continue this. Yeah, continue that fact. Um, Josh says, Jesus had his chance and isn't cutting the mustard. I'd sell Jesus and give Enketia a chance at number one as he starts in schools, which is completely juxtaposed by Chris's comment. It says, any club would be crazy to spend 20 million on Eddie because he's useless. It seems like a championship level player and he wasn't even that good at Leeds. Again, Chris kind of highlighting that evidence not really resonating there because as we've talked about, when Enketia starts games, He's got a very good goal, non-penalty goal per start ratio that is rivaling that of Tony's. I know that people don't like it when I say that. I can't help but tell you that is the case. But that is the case. When Nketiah starts games, his goal-scoring record is actually pretty decent. Unfortunately, he doesn't start games for Arsenal. Not in the case of unfortunately he should be, because I don't think he should be starting over Gabriel Jesus. But if he was playing for a mid-level Premier League side and starting every week, I'd be very confident in suggesting that he'd be scoring about as many non-penalty goals as Tony scored last season, which was about 14. I'd imagine he'd get about 14 Premier League goals in a season for a Brentford, for a Bournemouth, for a Brighton. I, I would not be surprised at all for Nketiah to reach those numbers playing week in, week out for those sides. Um, Let's go to uh, Daniel says, I believe we should move Jesus across to compete with Saka and go and get a number nine. It sounds so easy, doesn't it, Daniel? Unfortunately, we need to be able to have the money to be able to bring a centre forward in in the first place to be able to even think about doing that. Uh, Lee says, Tom, we are very predictable. Why doesn't Arteta ever switch Saka and Martinelli over to give the opposition something else to think about? I don't think that that necessarily makes us more unpredictable. They can still double up on both players if they want to. Did we ever see Salah and Mane switch sides? I don't think we did. Do we ever see Vinicius and Rodrigo at Real Madrid switch sides? I don't think we do. It doesn't necessarily happen. It doesn't make you more unpredictable. Um, the other team will just utilise a double up on both players as well. Is Eddie our top scorer? <laughs> he actually might be, I think, this season as well. Uh, maybe not across all competitions, but in the Premier League, has he got, what, four or five goals? Which is what Saka, I think, has got. It's between Saka and Eddie. Um, it's one of those two. Um, Josh says, Tom, could Cedric lead this winter? Yes, he can. Uh, there's a number of teams interested in him from Spain and Turkey and, and other nations as well. I would be expecting Cedric to leave during this window, probably for free. So there you go. Um, Chris says, Eddie's the same level as Welbeck or Bentner. He's their level. Again, Chris, you seem to offer up opinions without too much explanation. I've given you the statistics. I've shown you the numbers. 
that isn't true. It's just a bit disparaging at this point. Um, Adam says, ever notice that we can't open up a score against a team that parks the bus? Um, not true. Um, Brentford earlier this season parked the bus in the last 20 minutes of that game and we scored through Kai Havertz. When Luton went 3-2 up in our game against them, they parked the bus, they sat back. Um, we scored two goals against them. Um, Bournemouth played very defensively when we played them. We scored four against them in the end. So, these whole, we can't do this, we don't do this, they're not ever good, they never score. We need to be careful about how we talk about teams because teams do sit back and defend. Burnley, we beat 3-1 this season, sat back and defended. You know, Sheffield United scored five against them after they sat back and defended. Um, it's not true that Arsenal can't play against low blocks. Everton defended really deep, beat them 1-0 at Goodison Park. You know, it's not true that teams who sit back and defend deep, we can't score against. It's tougher for us to score against them. That's for sure. It's it's without a doubt tougher. But we need to be in a position to be able to have the options to break them down. And against, um, against West Ham, we didn't have that. So when they sat back and defended deep, Havertz was suspended. We didn't have our additional option. And sadly, we didn't have the player that could give us a little bit something different. Now, we still had the opportunities to win the game. Martinelli should score his chance. Jesus should score his chance. They take those opportunities, which they should be scoring, and we're not having this conversation about we can't score against low blocks because there is a lot of evidence to suggest that we can score against those low blocks. We just need to make sure that, A, we're more clinical, and B, have the players available to us like Havertz that can give us something different for those situations. Uh, Vegas Gunner says, Hey, Tom, any idea how many of Solanke's goals were penalties for Bournemouth last year in the championship? I, don't, I mean, he wasn't in the championship last year, was he? Solanke, uh, let's have a quick look. I'll try and get the suggestions for you. Um, boom, 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 boom. Goals minus penalty kicks. And we want total goals. Here we go. Goals minus penalty kicks. Uh, you've got 11 goals this season without penalty kicks and six last season. Just for the records, um, in the championship, he scored 25 goals that weren't penalties. Um, so four penalties, 25 non-penalty goals last year in the Premier League, uh, six non-penalty goals. Um, and he didn't take any penalties, to be fair, uh, which is one less than Tony's first season, by the way, back in the Premier League, which I think is a really important point. So for those that are <clears throat> so incredibly disparaging about Solanke compared to Tony, Solanke in his first season back in the Premier League scored one less non-penalty goal than Tony. And this season, he's currently three behind Tony's best record in the Premier League for non-penalty goals of 11. So if you're like Solanke, ooh, but Tony, ooh, then maybe have a look at those numbers because it is worth looking at them. Solanke and Tony are not very far apart at all in terms of their overall output. In fact, because of the difference in price tag, I'd be far more interested by Solanke. And also the fact he's been playing these last six months, he's going to be in better form. If it was between Tony and Solanke in January, I'm signing Solanke all day long. <clears throat> it's, it's not even really much of a debate, I don't think. Um, if you were to choose between the two, based upon their price, based upon their age, based upon their scoring record, based upon their availability and fitness, Solanke makes so much more sense than Tony. So much more sense. Um, DMAC says, I think the fullback areas are a massive problem. White and Zinchenko are weak. Timber coming back in only feels one position. Tommy Ashley plays three games and then misses 10. Absolutely, DMAT, we do need to bring in um, 
another fullback, which I think is why we're being linked with Hato, who can play as a centre-half and as a fullback as well. Um, AFC Cape Town says, you know, I'm not a fan of Tony, but I would rather Tony over Slanky. I'm more than willing to hear you out, but please do let me know your reasons as to why, because I think all the numbers don't necessarily support that view, especially with the money that's going to be involved in Tony over Solanke. Uh, John G says, we aren't going to get a striker that improves us in January. I think we need to prioritise a defender who is achievable in January, though. And that is the question, John. And again, it comes down to player sales. How effectively can Arsenal sell players during January is there going to be the opportunity to sell those players? Because, of course, we can't just point the finger at Edu and say, you're bad at selling. You didn't sell anyone. If indeed the opportunity to sell the players at the what the exact type of fee that we want and, of course, a reasonable figure that we want doesn't come up. Monaco were bidding and bidding and bidding for Balogun and we were going, no, 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 until they offered a amount of money which we were willing to allow him to leave for. If Edo had just said, yes, let's just sell Balogun for 28 million quid, which was about what the earlier bids were, people would have been fuming. Instead, Arsenal managed to get close to 35 million with add-ons that could see it uh, rise above 40 million quid in the end. So I don't think that there is any reason as for why we should be pointing the finger at Edu if those opportunities don't come. We do know that Crystal Palace have made an, in <coughs> have made an inquiry, but at the same time, I don't think that we're going to see them. I'd be very surprised if they put the bid at £40 million, but that is what we should be looking to ask for, 35 to 40. Okay. I, I tried it on the new laptop. We tried it. We tried it. I told you it would happen. I told you we'd get Roboton back, but yeah, it seems that the new laptop has not worked. <laughs> we will be returning to the old one tomorrow. That's frustrating. It worked for so long. I was hoping that it was going to work for us, but uh, yeah. Ah, oh, dear. That's a shame. That's a shame. I thought it was going to work. Uh, well, we had a few minutes of, of robots on. There you go on YouTube. You did. So I would be editing that out on, on audio platforms. But uh, yeah, goodness me. It's uh, on the normal laptop. It would have been fine. Um, but yeah, the new laptop doesn't seem to want to work in that sense. I am really looking at investing in a MacBook Pro because I'm going to be doing loads more editing and graphic design and stuff. So I need one for that. And I think that would certainly solve these issues, hopefully as well um afc kate says tony is a better all-round striker his hold up and link up is incredible sure solanke is great with link up but i just think we need a classic number nine and tony fits that over solanke do you think it's worth doing a solanke tony fb ref comparison i think it might be we can have a look at their shot creating uh options to provide us that i mean to suggest that solanke might not have as good hold-up players. Tony, I think he's going to be a bit of a stretch, to be honest. Um, but let's have a look. Tony last season. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Tony last season. Uh, Solanke this season, because that's the latest data that we've got. Let's have a quick look at their shot-creating actions and hold-up play. Uh, SCA per 90. There we go. So uh, let's go to... I mean, we can have a look at the goals and non-penalty goals and stuff like that. So looking at their goals, at the moment, uh, Solanke is scoring more goals this season than Tony scored last season at a higher rate, 0 0.67 to 0 0.61. Assist-wise, Tony has slightly more, 0.12 to 0 0.06, uh, which means they actually match in terms of goals and assists per 90 at the moment, 0 0.73 between the two of them. However, when you take penalties out of the equation, um, Tony has a 0 0.4, 0 0.4, oh, here we go, 0 0.55, not um, goals and assists minus penalties per 90. Solanke has 0 0.67, so that's more than 0 0.1 higher 
for Solanke. If we have a look at their XG, they actually have the same XG, 0.57. So it shows you that Tony actually underperformed his XG last in that last season he played, whereas um, Solanke is is um, exceeding his XG, which means he's, he's doing very well compared to the goals. So his finishing is actually better this season uh, as well, which is really important to, to look at. Um, looking, therefore, at... Uh, let's go to shot-creating action, shall we? I think Tony will be slightly higher. He is. So Tony's got a shot-creating action per 90 of 2.01. Slanky's got 1.57. But as we've seen from the actual assist and goal stats, uh, the meaningful attempts that Tony is creating clearly aren't delivering in terms of assists because the numbers are supporting Solanke in that area. Should we have a look at any other stats, really? Um, defensive actions, is that worth looking at? Tackle percentages, Solanke's higher, 55.6%. Tony, 30.4%. Um, if we have a look at tackles, interceptions, we've got, sorry, clearances, we've got 1.4 for Solanke, 1.1 um, for Tony. Uh, but as I said, tackle success, we've got him being higher. Uh, tackles lost, so number of unsuccessful attempts to change a player, 0.22 for Slanky, 0.49. Well, that's quite high for Tony, losing a lot of tackles when he attempts them. Um, progressive passes, can we have a look at passing types? Yes, we can, uh, or possession rather. Uh, or we can look at dribbling, that'd be quite good. Successful take-ons, Solanke 32.1, Tony 29.6. Uh, percentage number of times the player controlled the ball with their feet, and I'll, that's carries. Uh, so per 90, 19.1 for Tony, 18.1, so slightly lower for Solanke. I think overall, looking at the numbers, it's not really there's not really any evidence, is there, that, that, that we should be signing Tony over Solanke. I think that's what the numbers are telling us. I mean, goal contribution wise, Solanke is, is quite clear this season compared to Tony's best ever season in the Premier League at the moment. So very interesting numbers indeed. Right, we're going to end the show there. I've got to shoot and uh, hopefully no more robot stuff because I'm going to be switching back to the old laptop tomorrow. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day, people. Um, enjoy yourselves. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.